A binge-worthy show about Jesus? The Chosen Season 3 is here. Come and see what the buzz is about. The Chosen explores the imperfect and messy relationships of real humans following Jesus. The first six episodes are available now. Stream each new episode for free. Plus, watch exclusive content like The After Show, only in the new Chosen app. Download The Chosen app on mobile and TV streaming devices. Visit BingeJesus.com to learn more. Hey, MEAC fans, it's time to step into a championship. The 2023 MEAC Men's and Women's Basketball Tournament tips off March 8th through the 11th at the Scope Arena in Norfolk, Virginia. Join all the Me action with competitive basketball games, fun theme nights, and fan fests, official after parties, and comedy shows. Tickets are on sale via Ticketmaster, and you can log on to MEACHoops.com for more info. The 2023 MEAC Basketball Tournament. Who will be crowned champion? Welcome to the Fantrax Toolshed, a podcast covering all aspects of fantasy baseball to help you win all of your fantasy leagues. From dynasty to prospects to redraft, we got you covered. Now, here are your hosts, Eric Cross and Chris Clay. All right, fantasy baseball fanatics around the world, welcome to the Toolshed. This is episode 114 of the Fantrax Toolshed with Clayton Cross, powered by Fantrax and FantraxHQ.com. I'm your host, Eric Cross. We have another fun episode in store today, and with me, as always, my 80-grade co-host, Mr. Chris Clay. Chris, what's going on, man? Oh, not too much. Another weekend in the books, another night of fab coming up as we're recording, and another week to talk prospects. It's unfortunate not seeing a live baseball game this week, and that's out of the ordinary. Greenville out of town, busy week. I didn't get anywhere else, but we're here. We got a lot, a lot of good stuff to talk about, from you know major league news and notes to some prospect standouts, and we've got a lot of new names on the list this week, which is going to be a, a fun talk for sure. Yeah, no live looks here either. Portland on the road and any other stadium is a two plus hour drive for me, which I do make for if, if I need to see like a big prospect that's not coming here, I'll make those drives. But usually it's guys I've already seen here. So yeah, no live looks this week, but back in town, uh, Portland's back in town this upcoming week with the uh, Redding coming into town, which is the Phillies double A, which is not really a lot of names on there. A couple guys I want to see, but. Then I think the following week we got Harrisburg, which means Cole Henry. I want to get some level to Cole Henry. So then later on in the month of May, we get Somerset with Anthony Volpe and hopefully some combination of the trio of Wells, Pereira, and Sweeney coming up yep. from high A. Hopefully, I know Sweeney, I think Sweeney just went on the IL, but it's a minor thing. So hopefully I can get at least one of those three. All three would be great to get that. Up there with Anthony Volpe, but they're all more than ready. So I won't be surprised if they do. They were, I mean, Pereira is honestly the most ready. He looked like I saw him a couple mm. times in opening weekend. He was the most impressive, I think. Sweeney, obviously, really good too, and Wells. But yeah, I think they'll be your way soon. I hope so. It's actually funny. The Yankees high A team in Hudson Valley is actually the closest to me in terms of like anything below double A, but that's still mm. like yeah. a five and a half or six hour drive. So yeah, so I want to evolve some of those guys, but I'm not driving six hours to do so. Sorry, no, that's not. a that's a long drive for 
but I, all the other stuff I got going on. But we, like, like we said, we have a really fun episode today. But before we get into all that, the usual housekeeping. You can find us on Twitter. Chris is at Rotoclag. I'm at Aircross04, and our show is at Fantrax Toolshed. If you enjoy this podcast, please rate and review. Check out our Patreon for extra content from both of us and our YouTube channel for plenty of live prospect video throughout the season. And, of course, check out all the other great work we have going on at Fantrax HQ with multiple fantasy baseball articles coming out every single day. Let's get right into it. Let's start with some MLB news and notes. We had some notable injuries here over the last handful of days. Three in particular we wanted to mention here. Jonathan India is going back to the I.L. with a hamstring injury. Same issue he had a little bit earlier on in the season that he literally just came back from not too long ago. Bobby Wood Jr. with a wrist injury, and Wander Franco is dealing with a hamstring injury as well. Out of these three, Chris, is there any of these guys that you're really worried about, This uh, these injuries hampering them moving forward? Well, I mean, India is pretty noteworthy because he – had this injury, he came back, and then he was scratched from the start and went back on the IL. So that's certainly concerning that it's still lingering around, even though they thought he was ready to go. Hopefully, Witt won't be a big deal. He was hit on the hit by a pitch on the wrist, or he was struck on the yeah, it was by a pitch on Saturday, and kept him out of the lineup on Sunday. We'll see about that going forward. And Wander hopefully is not serious enough to. Land him on the IL, guess we'll see there, but he was scratched on from Sunday's start with the right hamstring tightness. So we'll see. I'm probably most worried about India just because it's a lingering thing and it's causing the now two IL stints, which I think is pretty significant. Yeah, no, for sure. And, and for what it's worth, I believe Witt was in the lineup initially today, and then they scratched him after that. So hopefully it's just a, a minor thing and he's back in there. You know, I think, do they play... To, on Monday, or they have Monday off. Uh, let's check that out. But yeah, like, I'm pretty sure I saw him. Like, I have him on fair share of teams, and I saw him in the lineup. At least, it show, at least it showed that on Yahoo. So I'm assuming he was in the lineup to begin with, and then it looks like they scratched him after that. So hopefully, it's not a long term thing. Let's see what their schedule looks like here. It looks like no, they, they do play tomorrow. They start a uh, series with the a uh, little rivalry series there with the St. Louis Cardinals. So maybe he's out. Today, when you listen to a Monday, but hopefully it's not more than a, uh, a couple games here. His wit was starting to heat up a little bit, still looking for that first home run out of wit, but you know, he's stealing a couple of bases. He had a nice little hitting streak going there, so starting to turn it around. So, obviously, if you have wit, don't worry. You know, these types of guys you, you hold for a bit. If you want to put him on the bench for now and wait till he starts heating up at the plate, even though he already has a little bit, but yeah, definitely I won't be dropping wit or anything like that. But yeah, this injury with with India kind of popped back up, and maybe you gotta wonder if it wasn't just fully healed the first time. I don't know. Maybe they, I don't know if he rushed himself back. He said he was good. I don't know. But yeah, in fact, he's already going back on the IL. These hamstrings, they have a way of being kind of tricky. And obviously, I'm no Nick Savali or anything like that. But it seem like these hamstring injuries linger and have a high like re-injury rate. This one, this this one like what I've seen over the years I've no like scientific, you know, backing of that, but it seems like they are, they're very tricky ones to get over. So hopefully they just let him heal up this time and bring him back when he's ready. But yeah, I, I am a, uh, a bit worried about India as well. One notable name that's back from the IL. So we have a couple of notable names back from the IL. We have Alex Cobb came back today well, on Sunday when we're recording this, but he got rocked in his first start back. Looked good in this first start, not so great in the last two. And we'll also have 
a guy I almost forgot about. I feel like it's been forever since he pitched. Mike Clevenger is coming back and starting tomorrow on Tuesday. So we'll start with Cobb here, Chris. Now, there's a lot of preseason buzz with Alex Cobb. You know, velocity was up. You know, he's on the Giants. You know, all the wonders they did with a lot of those guys last year. So there's a lot of that that kind of blended together into the hype uh, surrounding him this draft season. So he had a pretty, you know, a much higher ADP than I ever would have expected out of a guy like Alex Cobb. But again, he hasn't looked that great this year. Where are you at on Cobb right now? Are you, do you think he's still going to be, be able to leave up to the hype that was bestowed upon him back in uh, February, March, or do you think that was a little uh, overblown? Yeah, well, I guess it depends on how hyped you were on him. Cause I wasn't overly hyped on him to be honest. Like it just wasn't, you know, I wasn't going on my way to draft him. I don't know if I have him in, any league to be honest but you know it was more from the standpoint of i just i thought his draft price was a little inflated from what i personally wanted to pay you know to start today i'm gonna give him a little pass for because you know one i would never start a pitcher coming off the il like unless they're an ace and you yeah let's like corbin corbin burns sure. or something like that. Yeah, yeah it's just not like i'm not looking to start anybody like that's had that time off and you know overall just wasn't a good start his velo was still good like and that's one of the biggest things is that his, his velo is still up pretty significantly from you know the last last year up like two miles an hour or more which i think is uh, pretty notable again a, a splitter pitcher like when that's on and working like he's going to be effective and that's obviously going to be a big part of his game he threw the the curve you know just twice today while he did only throw 40 pitches so that is worth noting so i don't know i mean I like Cobb, but again, I'm not going to be like going out of my way to get him. Again, I don't have anywhere. I don't plan on going out and really trading for him either. But yeah, I, I think he'll be fine going forward, but I'm not saying he's going to be like a stud or anything. Yeah, I'm kind of there with you. You know, for what, it, for what it's worth, he, I think he's been a bit unlucky so far because a lot of his peripherals are pretty good. You know, entering the start, I don't think Savant, actually, no, Savant has updated. That's great. So actually, including the start. So he has a 540 ERA at the surface, but he has a 35% K rate, 5% walk rate. He's limiting hard contact pretty well, hasn't given up a barrel. So I think the surface stats are a bit misleading. But again, I've never been a big Cobb guy either. In fact, he's primarily two-pitch guy. He's only thrown the curveball 7% of the time this year. And the curveball has never really been a great pitch. It's been okay. But like last year, he used it 16% of the time, 222 batting average against, 29.5% whiff rate. The splitter, he's up the usage this year by about 8.5% with pretty similar, uh, very similar whiff rate, actually. Just like he's never been a big whiff rate guy. And like you mentioned, this, those guys that are really splitter heavy, I know it can work with, with Gaussman and whatnot, but still, it's more often than not, it's these are the types of guys that I do shy away from a little bit. Now, do I think Cobb can be a top, I don't know, 60, 70, 75 arms, somewhere in that range? Sure. A guy that could be like a SP5, SP6, something like that. Sure. But at the same time, I don't see the K rate being that great. I'm not just automatically going to assume that they're going to turn him, you know, them being, you know, the San Francisco Giants, they're going to turn him into some, you know, stellar ace pitcher like they have with a few other guys over the last handful of years. But I don't know. 
I don't know what if I had Cobb, I guess I would wait, let, let him reestablish some value, then trade him for someone that does believe in the hype. But yeah, I'm not a, a huge Cobb guy either. Where are you out of Mike Clevenger though, Chris? Because in the past, Clevenger has shown to be a pretty valuable arm when healthy. You know, that being the the trouble there, because he's not been healthy a lot over the last couple of years, but he's got good stuff and he's coming back tomorrow. Do you think he could be, I don't know, like a top 50 starter moving forward. Is that fair? I don't know. Maybe it's a little high. Where, where are you at in Clevenger? I really hope that he's a top 50 guy. You know, I'm not counting on him being an ace again, but like you said, when he's pitched, he's been really, really good. And, you know, his worst season, you know, over the last, over his career at least, was outside of his, his rookie season. I mean, he, his worst year was a 3.18 ERA, and that was in 2020. And that was in Cleveland before he act, actually moved over to San Diego, where he was even better. So he had a 3.02 combined ERA in 2020. So you know, I'm not, I'm not expecting him to be an ace, especially with the long layoff not being pitched since 2020. But I do think he can be really solid, and you know, I think you can go out and get him on the cheap right now. I think there's still yeah. a lot of value to be had here. So. You know, if I if you can, I'd see what you can get for him in a dynasty league, or, or at least pay to get him, because I think even if he gives you 120 innings this year, they're going to be 120 pretty good innings here. So, yeah, it's a wait and see an approach. Like, what's he going to look like? You never know, but I still think that you know he's shown that he can be a high end pitcher before, and he's only 31. So, I'm willing to take a chance and see where it takes me at least. Yeah, as as am I. Uh, Clevenger, like I said, his career ERA is three point one nine, and a lot of that has to do with him having a five twenty six ERA back in his rookie year. So since then, three eleven, three hundred two, two seventy one, and three hundred two. You know that two seventy one ERA came in twenty nineteen when he had one hundred sixty nine Ks and his one hundred twenty six innings. Twenty eighteen, he actually hit two hundred innings on the dot in thirty two starts. So that was the only year he's eclipsed 21 starts or 126 innings. Like those are that those are both the second highest amount of starts and innings pitched. But 2018, 32 and 200 had 207 strikeouts, 3.02 ERA. Obviously back with Cleveland. So yeah, he's definitely on a per inning basis. He is he's oh you know the last handful of years he's been like a top 25, top 30 or so pitcher. He's got you know good K rate. He's kept the ratios down. But I'm just wondering, can he stay healthy? Like, we haven't seen him pitch. We only seen him. He had the how many how many innings did he have back in 2020? He had combined 41.2 innings. So that's all we've seen him pitch since 2019. So that's obviously he missed all of 2021, returning from injury. So I don't know. I, I'm kind of I like I like the talent, but I don't know if he's really going to be a top 50 guy this year, I think long-term, absolutely. Assuming he can get back this year, get through the, you know, you're healthy and he goes in like a normal off season, normal spring training, you know, starts opening day or in the opening day rotation, I should say, I think top 50 moving forward after that. But I just, I wonder where the innings are at this year. Like, I know you mentioned the same thing, but I just wonder like, if the quality is there. I don't know if he can bounce right back and be, on a per inning basis close to what he had in the past. I don't know. I could be wrong, but just the long layoff does give me a bit of hesitation this year. That's nothing to do with the talent whatsoever. Just because just of that long layoff. So I am a little bit hesitant on jumping back in to start this year, but yeah, I'm, I'm kind of with the overall 
a long-winded way of saying I'm kind of in a wait-and-see approach with the Clevenger as well. All right, moving over to the younger side of things here. Adley Rushman is back from injury. He had that right, right triceps injury back in spring training. He might have been already up by now. He's back. Uh, he was playing in high A the other night. And they had a, a one through four or one through five of it was I forget the exact order, but there was Norby, it was Rushman, it was Connor uh, Colton Cowser, Caesar Preto was hitting fifth. Um, forgetting one name. Who's the other one down there in Aberdeen? Yeah, I don't know. I'm looking at like the one through five was really freaking yeah, good. Yeah, and they're, I'm hoping that some of these guys stick because they're coming to Greenville <laughs> in late June, I think. So I'm just, I know Adley won't be there, obviously, but that's a fun lineup. Oh, it was uh, Kobe Mayo. Excuse oh, me. Mayo. Kobe, there, yeah. Kobe Mayo. Was, yeah, so it was, I think it was like, yeah, so they had Cowser, who was hitting, I think, third, Mayo fourth, Cesar Preto fifth. I think they had Richmond hitting second, and they had Norby leading off. I'm like, damn. And then there was D.L. Hall was on the mound, too. I'm like, Jeez. man, I want to be at that game tonight. But, but yeah. But, anyway, Adley's back. He's three or four games back now. Had a four-hit game the other day. Do you think they bring him back, or they bring him up, I should say, to Baltimore, you know, by, you know, it's May 1st right now. You Yeah, let's say give two weeks. Do you think he's up with Baltimore in under two weeks? It depends on how the rehab assignment goes. I, I, I still am kind of holding the fact that I think that they could bring him and G Rod up together. Now that's yeah, you know, I have no hunch to say that I know that's going to happen, but it'll be interesting to see. I, I think he's ready. It's just much like G Rod. When is Baltimore ready for them both? But I do think when Adley, you know, if he goes through the rehab assignment fine, then he'll be he'll be up. He's he's more than ready in my opinion. Yeah, no, absolutely. Is he's one of the most polished prospects out there, and so if he's out there and you can stash him right now, and you have the bench depth to stash him, I think now's the time. I do think he's up within the next couple of weeks. Personally, another catcher that just got caught up over in Kansas City, MJ Melendez, as Cam Gallagher has a grade uh, grade two was a hamstring strain, I believe it was. Yes, grade two hamstring strain. So he was put on the IL earlier today on Sunday. Brought Melendez up, which actually was, you know, I don't know they need a catcher, and obviously Melendez fits, but it wasn't like Melendez has been good this year. He's actually been pretty bad in AAA. 88 plate appearances, slashing 160, 284, 280, three doubles and two home runs, 14.8% walk rate, 23.9% K rates. So those are pretty solid there, especially the walk rate, but not making a lot of contact, not getting on base at a high clip, still under 300 given that. 15% walk rates, only two home runs after that, after having 41 last year. A lot of people were asking me when I tweeted about it, is he an immediate ad? I don't, I don't think so. I, first off, I don't know how much he plays. I think they're bringing him up more so because he's already on the 40 man and they needed another catcher, but they still have Sal Perez there. So like there's like a glaring, like, all right, he can still get, he can get five, six games a weekend. So I don't think one, this is an immediate ad right now. What, what do you think? Nah, I'm not rushing out. Like you said, I mean, where's he going to play every day? Is it just a, a depth move? You know, I'm I'm not really sure, but it would kind of I, – I don't think it's a good process to call him and not play him, but, you know, where's he going to get his run? And I know he's had some time in, in multiple spots, but, you know, maybe maybe Sal see some time at, at DH. Who who knows, like, where, where they're going right now. Their lineup's been such – a hard one to track and follow like what they're doing <laughs> on a day-to-day basis and why they're playing guys a certain place. So yeah, nothing would surprise me, honestly. 
Yeah, and looks you know lately I'm looking at the last uh, six games here on roster resource, and Sal Perez is actually he's caught four of them, DH'd two, and then when he was DHing, that moved to, uh, Dozier. Actually, Dozier was on the bench those days. Dozier's been their primary DH. He does a couple games at first base overall, but yeah, I gotta wonder is Dozier. I think last time I checked, at least Dozier was hitting pretty well. So I don't know if there's you know where's he at now. Dozier, okay, Dozier has cooled off a bit, but he does, he does have three bombs though, uh, in 17 games. Maybe this pushes Dozier to the bench a couple more times, but still, I just don't see it. And even if like that playing time was there, like we mentioned, like he has not been good. And I wonder, I know it's it's hard to sell a guy like Melendez right now in Dynasty, given the fact that he's off to a terrible start. But maybe you still can, given the season he's coming off of. Like I said, the only one I'm like really excited about out of the three that are down there in AAA, or at least the three that were, is Vinny Pasquantino. Like, I'm not, I think Prado's a sell. I've already talked about that ad nauseum. I think Melendez is a sell too, given what you can get for him. So I don't know. I'm, I'm still wondering if Melendez and Prado ever turn into, you know, above average major league hitters. I think there's a chance they don't. So I don't know. What do you Best think? It's time to sell prospects when they get caught up. So, you know, yep. more than willing to take a chance and, and see. As am I. All right. Moving over to another prospect here that won't be a prospect for much longer. Julio Rodriguez finally hit his first home run today, and it was a beaut. But surprising thing, and I tweeted this the other day, he leads the major leagues in steals. That is, you know, both Chris and I many times in articles and on here over the last year and a half, and many others as well. It's not like we were the ones breaking it. Obviously, many people had said this, that, He's faster than people give him credit for. But a did you think, yeah, a lot faster. But did you think, though, in your wildest dreams, that he would be leading the major leagues in steals with a 90th percentile sprint speed? Nope. Not at <laughs> all. <laughs> Simple answer. No, I mean, he's he's always said he wanted to run, and he's he's one that's gotten faster, even, even though he's gotten bigger. Like, he's de- defied, like, everything that, you know, scouting s- says, like, about a, a player that grows into that kind of body. But he's he's really has he's grown to like a, a true seventy grade runner, and he's hitting the ball insanely hard. Like I know it's easy to look at the numbers and be disappointed, but just watch him. Just just watch him play. That's all I'm asking you to do. Just watch him play. And I don't think you could say that he sucked this year. Like he's gotten screwed a lot by you know, pitches <laughs> just out of the zone and a look ten strikeouts on called strikes on pitches out of the zone. That's a third of his strikeouts. So that's a pretty significant portion. Yeah, there's some swing and miss. That'll be taken care of. Like he's a great contact hitter. And I hope this is the cows. I mean, he had this ball 450 feet off Sandy Alcantara on a pretty good pitch at that. Like, yeah, a pretty good pitch tailing in. And he just smoked it. A pretty good pitch off a pretty good pitcher. And he cranked it 450. Right. He's, he's one. I mean, I'm telling you, if you're concerned in redraft, like, you shouldn't be. And if, if someone is concerned about him in your league, like go out and get him right now. Cause the way he's running plus the power, like he could legit go 30, 30. I genuinely think so. I know. And that's crazy to think about that. You know, that was the reason why I always had wit just, you know, one, eight his one B is that I thought Wit would provide more speed and wits running a bit too. I think Wit has like five steals or something like that so far. But if J rod is going to be even, okay, let's even say, 20 like low to mid 20s steel steel guy 
which is definitely fair, maybe even a little bit low here from what he's shown so far. And he still show, you know, gets to that power that we all know he can get to and gets to that level of average and OBP that we know he's capable of. This is a first round fantasy guy. This is, you know, 35, 25 guy with a high average, high OBP and plenty of counting stats, I'm assuming, as he hits in the middle of a pretty good Seattle lineup moving forward. This is definitely a first round fantasy guy. It's like J Rod with more no, not J Rod. It's like a Joe Ram with more power. I don't know. It's it's and more average potential. I don't know. It's it's just crazy to think how good he could be if he keeps running like he is now. Maybe not obviously not on like a fifty whatever or sixty steal pace, obviously, but even if he's twenty five with the power and average and OBP and, and run producing skills he has, that is a scary, scary thought. So yeah, if there's any sort of even if it's 99 cents on the dollar if any sort of discount in any league i don't care redraft dynasty whatever go out and get julio Rodriguez because i got a feeling that this was the start of like the floodgates are now going to open you know this was the first of many for him and he's like start absolutely tearing the cover off the ball like he already has but some of those hits are going to fall he's not going to get pinched like this you know the remainder of the season so i think only there's very bright skies ahead for Julio Rodriguez. That is for sure. Uh, last uh, name we wanted to talk about here in our news and notes section. Guy I tweeted about yesterday after his second straight 10 strikeout performance. That's Eric Lauer of the Milwaukee Brewers, who is now through his first four starts of the season. He's 2 0, 193 ERA, 0 0.99 whip, and this is over 23 and a third innings pitched. He's a 36.6% strikeout rate, only a 5.4% walk rate. Man, like if Eric Lauer is for real, or even just a, you know, another breakout for them, Freddie Peralta has turned it around his last couple of starts. Obviously, Burns and Woodruff are still there leading the way. This is a scary Milwaukee pitching staff. And if Lauer can even come close to maintaining this, obviously, he's not going to be a 10K per game guy. But he's showing pretty well so far. He's a 43% whiff rate on the four-seamer, which is very high. I don't think that can continue. So that's what I'm wondering if now might be a good time to sell high because outside of the four-seamer, he's never been one to get a ton of whiffs on any of his secondary offerings. Like this year, the highest is slider at 28.6. Uh, last year, it was a slider at 27.8. So, And last year, the four-seamer was at 26.5% whiff rate. So I think the whiff rate's got to come down. So this might be a good time to sell high. But at the same time, I'm not saying this get rid of him. I think he is a legit top, I'll say 75 arm going forward, maybe top 60. I don't know about like top 50 or anything like that. But yeah, Eric Lauer has been very impressive at the start of the season. Well, and it's interesting that he has 20 strikeouts on the four seam so far. But the velo is up. You mentioned the whiff rate. It's, it's pretty notable. I mean, his velocity is up a mile and a half on that pitch, you know, is that sustainable? I'm not sure the velo. Yes, but the strikeouts on the four seam, I'm not sure, but the good news is that he's up to secondary usage pretty significantly with the curve and the slider using them, you know, a decent bit more, you know, eight, 8% more on the slider and 9% on the slider actually. And the curve is up about 6%. So we're seeing that. And those are good pitches, but interestingly enough, the, the four seam has been the best pitch, whether it sustains, 
I'll be interested to see, but it does look like it can. It's important to remember he's just 26 years old. Everybody thinks that he's been around a while and like he right. can't really develop, but he's 26 and like this is still pre-prime for a pitcher. So, you know, we're seeing him really come into his own and highly impressive, honestly, like what he's done so far. Yeah, and he even started showing some of this last year. I was not to this degree, but last year he had a 3.19 ERA and a 23.9% strikeout rate, both of which were career best marks at that point. So he started second half of last year and he pitched 118 two thirds innings last year. Obviously, this year, much, much better. I don't know. I, I do think, yeah, that he's up 1.3 miles per hour on that four seamer. Like I said, I do think he is semi-legit. Like I don't think this is a total fluke, but at the same time, with how he's pitching right now, this might be a good time to sell high, in my, at least in my opinion. But we'll see. Let's go ahead and take a quick break here, but we'll come back on the other side, get into some prospect standouts and some stat prospect stat cast standouts as well. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. All right, welcome back from the break. Let's get into some prospect stat cast standouts here early on in the season. These are from the PCL and the Florida State League, and I will kick it over to Mr. Clegg as he put all this together. So take it away, Chris. All right, so in the Florida State League, low A, and in the Pacific Coast League, triple A, they're using the the robot umps, basically. And so because of that, there is stat cast TrackMan data for on Savant. But basically, there, there's no true leaderboard for it you have to just go game by game and so what i've done is just go in every day and and download all the data from everybody and then look and see and put together a big leaderboard with with after takes a velocity max ev you know percentile ev barrels hard hit etc so just some names that are standing out obviously you hit some big names but also some names that, that are really popping off so one of the first ones that surprised me is a, a former first round pick who had a you know, rough year last year. So Austin Hendrick with the Reds, we were I was kind of quick to write him off. I mean, he did not have a good year at all in 2021, but he's really resurged this year. And while the you know the, the basic stats are fine, I mean, sitting 262 this year has three home runs. What stands out, he has a high OBP at 375, but his his data is off the charts right now. He has a, a 92.8 average EV, a 108.3 max. His launch angle at seven 17.2 degrees is a little high, but he does have six barrels for a 23.1% barrel rate and a 57.7% hard hit rate, which is encouraging. So it's good to see Hendrick kind of bounce back a little bit. You know, he was one that you know a lot of people expected to take off. He was the 12th overall pick in the 2020 draft. Lefty you know, bat really tailor made for Cincinnati, but the slow start or the slow season last year just you know had a lot of people questioning. But it seems like Hendrick's back a little bit. I'll be definitely bumped him up my rankings. Good OBP skills. He does strike out a lot, but the contact is really loud when he does make it. So Hendricks one, it's really popping off. Emmanuel Rodriguez is another prospect that's really flying up boards for a lot of people, and for good reason. And you know, beyond what he's doing from the basic stat line standpoint, he is performing pretty well from a metric standpoint. He has a max EV of 111.6. He has seven barrels for a 24.1% barrel rate and a 51.7% hard hit rate. The launch angle is a little high. It's at uh, 19.6 degrees. His fly ball rate is 50% right now, but his home run to fly ball is 33.3%, so it is working out for him. He has five home runs and three stolen bases. 
so far this year, batting average of 241, man, but 440 OBP, really stinking good, 24% walk rate. So his, he doesn't have a ton of batted ball events, but the batted ball events he does have are really good. Khalil Watson, another one just really standing out. He has a 61.5% hard hit rate. You know, Watson's kind of in the same boat as Hendrick where he's striking out a lot, but the, the, the contact is really good when he's making it. He does have a 297 average despite having a 42% strikeout rate. He has five home runs, three steals. Like I said, the contact is so good when he's making it. 89.5-mile-an-hour uh, average EV, 107 max. 8.5 degree launch angle, five barrels. That's a 12.8% barrel rate. And I mentioned the 61.5% hard hit rate. One everybody wants to know about probably is Jason Dominguez, who, while seems to be falling and falling and falling on people's boards, like it's really hard to live up to the standards when you get talked about with the likes of Bo Jackson, Mickey Mantle, and Mike <laughs> Trout. So, you know, what do we really expect? He's sitting 225 on the year, has a 34.2% strikeout rate. Just a, a 247 OBP, a 324 slug is just brutal, man. Has one home run on the year. So Dominguez has an average EV of 88.7, which, you know, this to me, so what happens here? Dominguez had a batted ball in here that was 22 miles an hour. I could not, it, it was not labeled a bunt. I delete all bunts out of here. So bunts don't go into this. This was not said to be a bunt. I did delete it out because I wasn't <laughs> sure if it was a outlier or was a bunt that was not listed right. So in actuality, it was a little like closer to 87. But when I took out that, it bumped up to 88.7. So that is worth noting. He does have a max of 112.7, which is really high. Just a three-degree launch angle. Why? It comes with a 60.9% ground ball rate. Not ideal. Dominguez does have four barrels for an 8.9% rate and a 40% hard hit rate. But his teammate, however, is on the opposite of the spectrum, Anthony Garcia, who we know just has massive power. We talked about him before the season, like you need to buy into him, you need to get on him now. And while the batting average hasn't been great at 239, he does have five home runs, even has two stolen bases to go with it. Garcia has a 94-1 average EV, a 115.5 max stupid good he has a 17 degree launch angle and four barrels 50 15.4 percent barrel rate 53 percent hard hit rate so garcia's really standing out those are the low a guys that i want to hit on there so if you have any thoughts on those feel free to chime in when obviously we can't call jason dominguez a bust that's way too early but when are even the jason dominguez you know supporters gonna realize that He's not as obviously take taking away those ridiculous comps that he's not a top 50 prospect for me. He's more top 75, top 80 in that range. But how long until he's not even a top 100 prospect? I'm not saying he's bad, but it's been more than a small sample size of just meh production out of him. And I've heard, seen other people that have seen him Eli Fishman being one of them who sees a ton of Yankees farmhands and others that have just said you know the power could be decent but where's he at I don't think he's gonna run that much the average probably won't be great so I, I don't know where people still think he's like a top 25 guy where he's been taken pretty high in some dynasty drafts I've been in I just don't see it I don't I don't have him below Anthony Garcia in my rankings quite yet, but I'd almost rather take a, a chance on Anthony Garcia at this point. 
Yeah, I mean, I don't. I, it's hard because the talent is is there with Jason for sure. But yeah, Garcia's definitely got a, a massive amount of raw power. The question will still be how much he hits. That'll that'll really come down to it. But yeah, Jason, you know, it's tough. Like I don't know where to rank him as we're working on the updates now. Like I have no clue where to put him, honestly. Yeah, I don't know either, man. Like right now at this very second, I have him. 73rd but like would you rather have jason dominguez or everson pereira that pereira is much more impressive from what i've seen yeah absolutely and it's not like yeah yeah pereira's how much older is pereira about eh, two years or so older but man, that's not like a huge difference here i think i might rather have pereira how about jason or who's in the good one in this range like a i don't know like a Hedbert Perez. Mm, and neither. <laughs> They're both turning <laughs> down for me. Yeah, but, no, same here. Tough. Yeah. I was trying to think of how about Brett Beatty or Jason? Mm. Beatty, probably. Just the proximity and you know, you know what you're getting with him. Yeah, you absolutely do. One more. We'll go another Yankee guy here. One that I think, yeah, you think you've seen. We'll go Jason or Trey Sweeney. Yeah, Sweeney. I, I definitely Definitely like what I've seen out of Sweeney, and I was already high on him out of the draft, so that's a, a easy one for me. Okay. So, yeah, so you're, these are all guys that are in the 65 to 80 range for me that you, know, you, you take over him, and I think I would too right now. So, yeah, I, I don't know. If I have Jason, I don't know. I'm, it's hard because I don't know if I want to – it's like selling low right now, but selling low is not always a bad thing. It's It sounds like a bad thing, but – it's a question of do you think that it's gonna the value is gonna continue to get lower? So you want to sell it before it gets even lower than it is now. Right. That might be the case here with Jason. And obviously he could turn it around and be some all-star caliber outfielder, but I don't know. I'd say I've heard and seen more negative right now than positive. And don't and don't think this is like Chris and I just writing him off as a 19-year-old or whatever. It's not what we're doing, but I don't think he's ever going to be even remotely close to being as good as people talk about. And that's not, like I said, that's taken out those lofty comps. I don't even think he's going to be like, maybe he's an average major league outfielder. That might be a ceiling at this point. And that is not <laughs> compared to where his uh, price tag is in most dynasty leagues. That just ain't going to cut it. So so many of the names here too. Emmanuel Rodriguez is a guy I've always been in, intrigued by. I'm glad to see him, you know, hitting very well. And he's walking a ton this year and him and Encarnacion strand have but huge breakouts in that Minnesota system. Hendrick, that power, like that power's never been questioned. Like even back in the draft, it was like, all right, big power. Where's the rest of the game at? You know, it, it was kind of like similar to Hessen Kierstad. Like, all right, the, there's plus or better power there. Is, is the hit tool develop enough to fully unlock that power? And I think that is still a question with Hendrick. Is he going to hit enough to capitalize on his potentially double plus raw power? Right now, that power, like you mentioned, all the all the metrics here, like fifty seven percent hard hit rate, twenty three percent bail rate, ninety two eight average exit velo, one oh eight max. That is definitely very impressive. Watson, we know he's been absolutely annihilating the ball down there, but just needs to curb the strikeouts here. So, yeah, a lot of uh, a lot of fun names there in the FSL. How, how about in the PCL? Yep. So the PCL, there's there's definitely some fun names that are you know close to the majors. And Elio Ramos, we we did see him get a you know a brief stay with. The Giants, but he's smoking the ball. He he has an issue I'll mention in a second, but 93.9 average EV, 109 max. And here's the problem. A 1.8 degree launch angle is not ideal. 
Because of that, only five barrels, 10.2% still, but a 51% hard hit rate. Pedro Leon, man, he's he's smoking the ball. And you know, the numbers aren't quite there from just a stat line standpoint, but 92.8 average, 113 max. Here's the problem. A 20, he's the opposite of Ramos, 23 degree launch angle. So, you know, you need to both find a middle ground here. And because of that, he only has two barrels for a 4.4% barrel rate and a 44% hard hit. Alec Thomas, 90.3 average, 109.4 max. He actually has a negative launch angle. He's just hitting the ball on the ground so much. He has one barrel despite how hard he's hitting it with a 47.8% hard hit. Miguel Vargas, he's kind of you know slumped a little bit this past week. His numbers have dropped. I've noticed this. I've been calculating it. 88.4 average EV, 112.7 max, 13.3 degree launch angle, six barrels, 9.8% rate, and a 42.5% hard hit rate. And here's the non-top prospect, but he's smoking the ball. Shea Langoliers, 90.4 average, 110.9 max, 16.8 degree launch angle, six barrels, 10.9% rate, and a 40% hard hit rate. So those are some of the bigger names in the PCL that are you know performing up and down, but there's there's their stat cast data at least. Yeah, Ramos has always been really intriguing, but I think he's always been a bit overrated because he has such an up and down. Like he had a, a hot start back in was 2016, 2017 in rookie ball. Then he was really struggling in A ball. But at the same time, he was really, really young. I think he might have been the youngest or one of the, the three youngest uh, in all of single A that year. So okay, you kind of give him somewhat of a pass. But at the same time, like I feel like the production has never fully matched the, the raw tools that uh, Ramos has. So. I don't know. I still like Ramos a decent amount, but I don't know. I, I've kind of tempered expectations for him. Same with, with Leon. Like he started off terrible last year, but got better and better every month in terms of the power speed that was always there. The approach got better, which you kind of expected the fact that he had that long layoff after he came um, from Cuba. So that was encouraging. But again, he's, I think he's just to be, like a poor man's Jazz Chisholm, like a little bit less upside than Jazz and similar headaches to Jazz, but probably more profound peaks and valleys. So with Jazz, it's like, all right. You can, you can live with the peaks and valleys if you're going to get 25-25, but are you going to live with the peaks and valleys of Leon, who's probably not going to give you 25-25? I don't know. But Alec Thomas, yeah, that the ground ball rate is way too high. You mentioned the, the negative, negative 0.4 launch angle. I love Alec Thomas. Like he's shown more power every year. Is he gonna be more than a twenty homer guy? Probably not. But this is a guy that I've always th- thought is for being a top prospect. He's always been kind of underrated because he doesn't have the flashy skill. Like like a Bryson Stott, he doesn't have the flashy skill set, but he gets the job done. He's a high OBP guy. He looks like he's tailor made to hit number two in, in the in the order. Maybe even a leadoff guy. He's got good speed, good contact skills, good on base skills, good approach. You know, solid power. That's like I said that's ticked up over the last couple of years. So Thomas is a guy I'm still buying wherever I can in dynasty leagues. I think the price tag on him has always been pretty solid given where he's been ranked on a lot of publications. Vargas we talked about a lot. I wish he. I was hoping he'd get off to a better start this year, especially with with Turner struggling. I was hoping maybe he'd get a shot. By mid, you know, mid season or so, but I'm not sure that's gonna happen. Langoliers can hit, man. Like I, I said this in the offseason. Yeah, is he gonna be like a standout offensive, you know, catcher? No. But can he be like an average offensive catcher? And then given his strong defensive skills that could be gold glove caliber, 
he's going to be a guy that sticks around. Like, he's going to have a pretty long major league career, and I feel pretty confident saying that. Like, we could fast forward 18 years. You're like, oh, yeah, Shane Langoliers is still a starting catcher at age, you know, 37 or whatever it is at that point in time. So, yeah, I don't know where, you know, what they do because they still have Sean Murphy there. Something's got to give because you basically got two of the same player there with Anglers and Murphy. But he's a guy that you can get him for very, very cheap, almost, or depending on how deep your league is, maybe to pick him up off the waiver wire in your dynasty league. And he's a big guy that's going to play. The defense will keep him in the lineup even when he's struggling. So he could be a, a sneaky, you know, number two type of catcher for fantasy purposes down the road. So, yeah, definitely a lot of a lot of fun names there on that leaderboard, Chris. That is for sure. Let's move over to some prospects of the week. Let's start on the hitting side of things. And look at that. Shea Langliers is in there uh, along with Nelson Velasquez of the Cubs. Cesar Prito, who we mentioned a little bit earlier, of the Baltimore Orioles. A couple Colorado Rockies infielders, Ezekiel Tovar, Adele Amador, Robert Hassel has been tearing the cover off the ball. My boy, guy we interviewed. How long ago was that? Like three months ago now at this point? Man, uh, it's probably it's been like six months. Has it been that long? I don't we, know. Uh, I really have no clue. The dude, time, time just flies. goes so quick, man. Yeah, it I'm going to look it up because I'm curious. But yeah, yeah, I think you're probably right. I think it actually was like back in, you know, early part of the winter time, which is crazy to think about. I think Kobe Mayo has really turned on the uh, on the afterburners here, hitting a lot of home runs over the last week as well. Where do you, you want to start here, Chris? What well, you did, take a couple guys and talk about them. Velasquez is... Then, you know, he was the fall league uh, MVP and many kind of doubted he could continue the success, but you know, he's been tearing it up this week, especially he's up to eight home runs on the season. He does have just a 264 average is striking out a lot, but this is, this is who you're going to get. You're going to get a guy who, who does strike out at a high clip who gets on base. He's like a, a three, a true three outcome type of guy, but he hits the ball extremely hard and he's really tapped into that poolside power. Like he's, pulling the ball at an extremely high rate right now, which has led to those home runs. So, you know, a hot week for him. He's one that I still think that if you have him in Dynasty, I'd potentially sell, like, based off this. I think he's going to be so streaky throughout his career. But he's one that I think you could basically cash out for maybe at peak value. Uh, Cesar Preto, he's been a fun one. He actually had a hamstring injury on Friday in Aberdeen. He had been absolutely dominating so far. And he's an older prospect, too, that signed internationally this year, so he could be a quick mover if this continues. Hopefully the hamstring issue is not serious. He gets back in the lineup. That would be more than ideal. He has not played since Friday, but you know they'll have the day off tomorrow, as all minor league teams do, and hopefully he'll be back in the lineup Tuesday. But he's hitting for average 328, 378 OBP. He has seven home runs and two stolen bases right now, so he's a fun one. He's making really good contact so far. And he's so versatile. He's playing all over the field, second, third, and short. That infield, you know, he's all over the place at it. Don't surprise if he gets a bump soon. I really think that he could be in for a call up, just given the fact of what he's doing at the plate. So he's a fun one. Uh, Adil Amador is another one where, you know, we talked about him last year. I thought you need to buy in early, and now we're seeing it come to fruition. He hit well last year, but, you know, this year he's doing it. You know, with more power, still showing some speed and hitting for solid average. He makes really good contact. Honestly, like to me, he's looking like an Ezekiel Tovar with a little more power, actually, which I think is pretty impressive considering what Tovar has done. I mean, Tovar's been off to an awesome start, but 
it's hard to argue against what Amador's done too with, you know, Amador has a better contact rate right now. He has more home runs and the only difference is, you know, Tovar hasn't been stolen bases. So I know there's a, a level difference there, but still Amador is younger. So it's certainly fun to watch. Yeah, no, it, it's hard to, I've gone back and forth so many times on Tovar and Amador. And you mentioned that I think Amador does have a, a bit more power potential. It's great that he has more walks than strikeouts right now. 16 walks, just 11 strikeouts. So a 17.6% walk rate, 12.1% K rate. You go with six home runs and three steals. Tovar up in double A, who I might be able to see in the near future. I do think that Hartford comes here. I forget when. Sometime in the near future. We always play Hartford a ton, so I'm sure it'll be soon. In double A, Tovar, 83 plate appearances, 333, 422, 639 slash. He has five home runs and seven steals. Has not been caught yet. And obviously, like double A, like it's no longer dealing with all the you know the stuff in low A where we say take it with a grain of salt. You know, double A seven steal, that's legit. And he's got always had the speed, showing more power as well. So both both Tovar and Amador, I think, are really really good buys right now. Uh, excuse me, right now in dynasty leagues as they're both rising in a hurry up my rankings. I think they'll both be top 100 for me. My update next week, which will be next Monday on the eighth, for anybody that's wondering with Dynasty shortly after that. So, yeah, definitely great buys. Actually, a lot. You look at this as Colorado team, and, you know, Montero is off to a pretty good start as well. I know he just got the call the other day for a little bit, 288, 356, 450 with full home runs in AAA this year. Fiend's off to – he hasn't really been hitting for power, but he's off to a 284 start with a 407 OBP. Two Romos hitting 342. Benny Montgomery – you know, decent start, two home runs and three steals and 57 plate appearances. So, yeah, a lot of guys that are really excelling right now in that Colorado system. And, yeah, Amador and Tovar are definitely leading the way there. You know, for me, obviously, Robert Hassel is a guy that I t- said was on my short list for potential number one overall dynasty prospects as soon as both the Wit and J-Rod graduate. And he's done everything you could hope for this year. He's still hitting 408 uh, through 87 plate appearances in high A, 471 OBP, 645 slug, 237 ISO, five home runs, eight steals, hasn't been caught yet. This is a guy, he's plus hit, he's plus or better speed, and I think he's going to be an above average power guy as well. So guy that you can see hit 280 or higher, high OBP, you know, low 20s, have a home run power, and 25, you know, mid to upper 20 steals. Like he's going to be not a guy that sta- really stands out in any one area, but he's just really, really good across the board. High step of floor as well, which is great to see from a 20-year-old in, in high A. So, Castle, I don't know who my number one prospect is going to be. Both J-Rod and Witt will still be on my update unless they magically get, you know, like 50 point appearances in the next six days or so. Have a lot of like 12, 15 inning games or something like that. But after that, I still don't know who my number one prospect's gonna be. It's it's either gonna be Hassel, you know, Volpe's in that mix, Novi Marte, Corbin Carroll is a very strong candidate. He's probably at least number three. Probably he might even be number one, but there's so many guys that could fit into this you know, new number one role here. And Hassel is definitely one of them. Kobe Mayo, another one that's really shot up, a guy that I, I never went quite as high as some, but I the power obviously is elite. Like this is a 35 homer bats at Camden Yards, even with the deeper left field right now. 
And I said he's a guy that can hit 260 uh, in that range. And we add a handful of steals as well annually. So BCBA, you know, I can see him getting close to like Austin Riley territory. I don't think he'll be quite as good as Austin Riley, but I don't think long-term there might be not that huge gap between the two of them. So definitely Kobe Mayo is really starting to turn out. Yes. It's kind of a slow start to the season, but he's been very impressive over the last 10 days where he's had five home runs over the last 10 days. So Mayo definitely on the rise right now. Let's go over to the pitching side of things. Yuri Perez, after a slow start in double A, had an absolutely ridiculous start. I had 12 strikeouts in just five innings in his last start. I said after a few slow starts, I should be a slow start in double A. He had that. Beautiful, beautiful outing where everyone's like, all right, look, see, he's he's Jerry Perez. He should be a you know top five pitching prospect. I don't know. You and I both kind of said, you know, pump the brakes a little bit. Like back in our Highlander Dynasty draft, he went like 150 or so picks ahead of Daniel Espino, which I that's wild. Which I got Espino. I don't know, I don't remember who took Yuri Perez, but I'm like, man, like when you when you compare Yuri and Espino. Espino has a much better all-around arsenal. He's a bit more polished. I, I don't know what the argument is to put Yuri over Espino. Like, the upside, obviously Yuri has incredible upside, but Espino's is higher. He's more polished. He's a deeper arsenal. I don't know. Is there anything you can see that would make you want to take Yuri over Espino right now or put him up in that you know discussion with, with Espino and Kirby and G-Rod and Boz that some people want to do? Hmm. <laughs> Not really, honestly. I don't. I don't see a whole a great argument for that. Is he a sell high right now? He could be. I mean, any pitching prospect, you know, really when you sell him, when all the hype's there and all the talks there. So, yeah, I'm not opposed to that by any means. Yeah, I, I'm not either. I think he actually could be a, a pretty solid sell high right now. And that's not me saying again. That's not me saying that he's going to be bad or anything like that. But again, the fact that he is regarded so highly right now. And obviously last year, the performance kind of warrants it, right? Like, but he's not on that level yet. I would much rather have Daniel Espino, much rather have George Kirby, who someone said the other day that, what was it? How did they word this? That they would laugh if someone offered them Kirby for Gary Perez right now. And I'm like, yeah, I would take Kirby over Gary Perez in a heartbeat. Yeah. And their argument was, although they're at the same level and Yuri is five years younger. Yep, that's that's true. <laughs> I can't dispute that. But Kirby is so polished. He has one of the highest floors of any pitching prospect. Yuri could easily fizzle out. I don't think he's going to, but he easily could. Like, There's no lock that he's going to be some stud pitcher like everyone seems to think he's going to be. And again, I'm not trying to talk down on him, but I don't know. He might be a sell high with how the helium is just so incredible incredibly lofty right now definitely could be a sell high opposed to that yeah a few other names here that are standing out another kind of younger guy and this one's down in high a blake walson the guy that i've always been very high on he had a really good start the other day over his last two starts nine innings combined just two runs allowed and 13 strikeouts he's done really well uh, this overall this season he's had a really good season overall uh, in high a he probably is due for a bump to double A, I, I want to say. Uh, another one out in that Arizona system, Dre Jameson, off to a very good start as well. Matthew Libator, after a slow start to the year in triple A, he's really turned it on. And then also Gordon 
Grisefo. Am I saying that right, Chris? Grisefo. Grisefo. Yeah. Grisefo. I like the name Gordon Grisefo. I, I like that name a lot. So another few names here off to hot starts or even just over the last couple of weeks here, really turning it on. Uh, where do you want to go with this, Chris? Uh, Grisefo is probably the one, obviously, that is the kind of the most unknown name here. So where do you where are you feeling on Grisefo on your next update? Is he got it could be like top 250 or so? Yeah, and you know, props to Jeff Potts because he wrote an article and said he would be a breakout. That he he wrote like the all breakout team basically, and he was on it, and that kind of turned me on to him. And I picked him up in some deeper leagues, but yeah, he's he's been pretty dominant this year. He's he's got a sub one ERA, a point five one WHIP so far, a thirty nine point five percent strikeout rate. The best part, one point three percent walk rate, which is really stinking good. So everything looks really really good here. I've yet to actually watch him. But I do need to to watch him as starts. He's 22 year old and high A, so he's a little older for the level. But he did just turn 22. He was a fifth round pick in last year's draft, so that's uh, you know why he's in high A, obviously. But you know he's one that could really pop off. He keeps pitching like this, and he pitched really well last year too, just kind of under the radar in low A in just 26 innings. But yeah, he's been been really good this year. So he's a deep league ad, but he's definitely going to be in the top 400, probably into the top 300. I think when it when I update. Yeah, like you said, he might be a little old for the level, but you can't argue against 30 strikeouts to one walk. Like, that is good no matter what age you are at what level. Yeah, he's been very impressive. 083 ERA, 051 whip in 21 and two-thirds innings for St. Louis. And Libertor as well. He's a guy that I was I used to be super high on Libertor. Then I kind of tailed off. Like I a lot of people were saying there's you no know, the fastball metrics weren't great. But this year, overall, he's kind of bounced back. I said after a couple of slow our slow start to the season overall now he's had made five starts in triple a 28 in the third innings he's dropped his ratios on the 3.18 era 1.02 whip 34 strikeouts to just six walks in those 20 in the third innings you think he's up soon chris you think he's maybe the next guy up if st louis needs a starter yeah he should be i think he's yeah. more than ready so probably just a matter of time and he's been you know, pretty impressive so yeah, not opposed to adding him he could be a decent stash candidate yeah, for sure. And that, that curveball is just absolutely filthy. I, I love a big breaking curveball from a lefty. I always have. So, yeah, Libertor, definitely got us climbing back up my rankings here a bit with the last few starts he's had. Obviously, proximity plays a factor into that as well. So, yeah, very impressed with Libertor so far this season after those first couple of outings. All right, let's end the show here with a deep league prospect target each. Chris, who do you got? All right, so I'm going with uh, Daryl Hernay. Hopefully, pronouncing that right. But I believe you are. Yeah. yeah, he's he's one that's really stood out to me. And he, I went to add him in in D1s 30 Rock, which 1800 players are rostered. So I put in a bid for him last night, and I was like, uh, no one really knows about him yet. I just discovered him honestly, and I was like, all right, I'm gonna add him. And then of course, our buddy Mags put in a bid a hundred dollars higher than me. And it's a victory <laughs> system too, which means basically he paid what my bid was. So he, you know, he didn't pay 118 bucks. He paid 18 bucks. I thought 18 would be sufficient. So I'm upset about that, but you know, he is a 20 year old in low eight, another Baltimore prospect, but he's off to a strong start showing good plate discipline. He did that last year too. He doesn't strike out at the high clip at all. And he's displaying, you know, breakout power that, that we really hadn't seen before he hit six home runs and 410 plate appearances last year. He has five right now in 63 and three stolen bases. So he's got good speed on the base paths as well. 
He's one that's a good frame. It's listed at 6'1", 190. I'd argue that he's a little bit bigger than that now, but he's got a, a 322, 365, 644 slash on the season. Overall, it's been a really good start for him. I would go out and look to add him. It's Daryl Hernays, H-E-R-N-A-I-Z. So if you're in a league that rosters you know, 400 plus prospects, I think he, he's worth a stash there and just see where it goes because everything looks really good so far and what we've seen. So Daryl Hernays. Yeah, definitely worth a shot to see where it goes, like like you mentioned, because we've we talked about how like the bottom part of your prospect, you know, roster or whatever you want to say is you, you should be churning them, burning those spots. You know, see, all right, well, this this guy's popping up. Let's see if this goes anywhere. If it doesn't, you know, so what? You know, you, you didn't pay a lot to get him. You drop him and find the next pop-up guy. So, yeah, definitely worth worth a shot for sure. I'm going to go actually to a system that we've been kind of laughing at a lot on this show, the Chicago White Sox. But one guy that is off to a absolutely torrid start to the season in high A is Brian Ramos. 6'2", 225, really you know, bulked up over the last year or two. Used to be a guy that was listed around like 190 or so. Uh, guy that came over from Cuba a couple years back. He had a pretty solid year last year. Yes, he's, he's had pretty solid showings in both seasons so far. 2019 in the Arizona Rookie League, 277, 353, 415 slash line with 16 extra base hits, four home runs, and three steals and 218 plate appearances. Last year, the average dipped a little bit, but still had an OBP close to 350, 13 home runs, and 13 steals in 115 games in low A Canapolis. And this year in high A Winston-Salem in the South Atlantic League, in 17 games, he is slashing a robust 403, 449, 653, with six doubles and four home runs, has yet to even attempt to steal. But the fact that the bat is really coming alive here, this is a guy that was always considered kind of like more of a bat first type of prospect. A guy that I believe could be about eh, average to above average hit plus above average to plus power. Maybe even, you know, even though he had, did have 13 steals last year, I don't know if steals are going to be a big part of his game, but he's a guy that could probably add at least like, a, you know, five, six, seven a year to go along with maybe 20 to 25 home runs and a solid average where maybe long-term he's kind of like a Ryan McMahon type of player. Still hard to say. He's still only 20 years old, just turned 20 about a month and a half ago in the middle part of March, but definitely off to a hot start this season. He's a guy that is going to be shooting up my rankings, probably into the top 250 or so in this next update. So definitely a name on the rise now that is a great target for Dynasty Leagues. But that is going to wrap us up for this episode. Thank you to all the listeners for tuning in in again this episode. We hope you enjoyed it. You can follow us on Twitter. Chris is at RotoClegg. I'm at EricCross04. And our show is at Fantrax Toolshed, of course. And check out all of our written work at Fantrax HQ, Fantasy Pros, or over on our Patreon as well. And join us again next time for more fantasy baseball talk. But until then, everyone take care. <laughs> <laughs>